The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, Bible teacher Beth Moore describes your role in the rebuilding of your life. Few things in the entire human experience that we can go through are more Christ-like and more like our God than not only when we build, but we rebuild. I want you to think about that if we had not had a God willing to reconstruct, the world would have ended in the days of Noah. If, if only I could convince you how exciting it is to us to get to share the time with you. Betty and I have been spending a lot of time with a lot of people who love God, but who really take Him so seriously, they love you. And they just care so deeply. And, and when you get around people that just want to help wrap God's arms around a world of hurt, it really lifts your spirits. It makes all of us want to do our part sharing His heart, God's. And uh, I just pray you'll, you'll join with us. And I want to remind you, now listen to me, please. This is the gift that prayer brings about. The stream, stream.org. I'm prayerfully asking, I want you to make it a habit to go there through the day, more than once, news is updated, news that matters to people who care. Stream.org, go there every day and forward things to others. Now, you like Beth Moore. You all like Beth Moore. Do you all thank God for Beth Moore? She's a gift from God. And uh, she's going to be a blessing to you because God is going to do a work in your life. The title that she calls this is Let God Rebuild Your Life. I spoke at Gateway to the family group they have there recently and a young pastor that he said, I listened to you since I was a teenager. You helped shape my life. But when he introduced me, he said, well, God's going to restore your life. It's not like restoring a car. He said, it takes you beyond where you ever were before. That's where God takes you when he restores you. Let God rebuild your life. Here's Beth Moore. That's what she's talking about. Well, There's something I want you to see. It says, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, how do we do that? Because we know that at no time can we be any less loved of God than we were the moment before. It's impossible. He loves us completely. He loves us infinitely. He loves us unconditionally. And never let that, that thought um, lose its uh, hold and its awe in you. It is an incredible thing. You don't know anybody else that just completely loves you unconditionally. I mean, there's flat out nothing you can do to run Jesus off. 
nothing you can do to get him to betray you or to reject you. That is some kind of love. So we know we can't, that we never leave his love, but he is telling us to remain in a mentality, especially when we've been shredded, especially when we feel torn up, especially when we feel torn down, that there's no more important time to keep ourselves in the mentality of, I am loved by God. I am loved by my God. No matter what, no matter where I've been, no matter what has happened to me, no matter what kind of past I come out of, no matter how foolish that was this morning, no matter how foolish that was yesterday, this I do know. As torn down as I feel, I am loved by my God. I will keep myself in the love of God. I told a young man not very long ago, that was going through such a difficult time, such a mighty, mighty young man of God. Have you ever known, I mean, you saw someone so gifted, so powerfully gifted, but they had just enough edge to them that you kind of were afraid the enemy was going to get a target on them. Just, I mean, just open enough where you thought, oh, and especially because I'm the age that I am, I know what it's like to be had. I know what it's like to not see um, a, a hole coming and to fall head long into the bottom of a dry well. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know what it's like. So when I, I look and see younger brothers and sisters that I know the enemy is after with everything he's got. One of the things that I'll think of, and I, I, I wrote this young man and said, after a deep, um, deep uh, hurt had happened and after he had just, in his mind, blown it in every way and blown his calling to bits. Keep yourself in the love of God. That as you heal up every single day, you echo that over and over again. Listen, I, I just say this to you. I hope you always have somebody around you that's going, your God loves you, your God loves you, your God loves you, your God loves you. I hope you have somebody doing that. But you know what the word of God says? You can do it with yourself. Because the word of God says it is true. You don't have to have anybody give you permission to feel loved by the God of the universe. You just already are. You just already are. We keep looking for other people to affirm us. Listen, when nobody else is around, you can still look in the mirror and go, this I know, based on the authority of the scriptures, I am loved by my God and nothing I have done has run him off. Anybody getting that with me? I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. Doesn't get better than that. There's this wonderful time. Many of you may be familiar with it, but I just love it. At the very end of 1 Samuel, in chapter 30, verse 6, David is beside himself. The enemy has come and, um, and uh, come against the... Um, the uh, people that have uh, gathered around him and followed him, uh, the, all the men were off um, fighting a battle and the women and the kids were taken. They've been kidnapped. They're just all completely beside themselves. And it says in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 30, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, strengthened himself. I love the King James rendering. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I hope you always have someone to encourage you. I'd want to. I'd want to. Many of you are sitting next to somebody that you have mutual encouragement with. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. But what if nobody is there? What if nobody is there? 
Do you have a relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ through his word to where you know what is true about the way he feels about you? Do you know it? Do you know it? Because listen, sometimes there is no one there. Sometimes nobody's going to come along and encourage you in the Lord. Sometimes there's not going to be somebody there to go, you're really a wonderful person of great value. You are highly esteemed. All of these things that would be true, but nobody's there to say it. Could you know it is true based on the authority of the scriptures? That's what I'm asking you. Building yourselves up in the most holy faith, knowing that what he says is true, being able to rehearse it in our own ears, saying it with our mouth, believing it with our heart. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer loves me, has given his life for me, been raised from the dead in my behalf and left a tomb empty for me. I know my God loves me. You know, sometimes a wound doesn't heal just right until it gets hit again. Anybody been hit in the same place over and over? And then one day you go, you know what? I think I'm ready to get over that now. <laughs> yeah, I think now since I've been back in this cycle about five times, and I've been hurt in the same way over and over, had the same taste in men, the same taste in women, the same taste in relationships. I've had this, been doing the same thing, the same wound over. And then one day it gets hit again. You think, you know, maybe now would be a great time to start getting over it. Um, just, just here about a, um, a week and a half ago, our bird dog, you know, uh, James and Betty and Keith and I are all dog freaks. And Keith and I have two dogs. He has a bird dog and I have a border collie. And um, our, our bird dog um, was just sitting, um, sitting kind of um, uh, uh, rolled up in kind of an odd way, shaking on the couch. And, and my grandkids were over, my kids were over, so a lot was going on. So I had not noticed that anything was wrong, but Amanda looked over at her. I'd been getting supper ready and just been active with the kids and all. Amanda looked over and went, oh, mother, she's hurt. And we looked carefully at her and she had, I'm not gonna really describe it too much to you. Well, I probably am. But I mean, I am talking a gash this big in her side that we have a gate, we have a, a really old iron fence in our backyard, and the gate is one of those kind that you pull it up and you slip it um, into a slot like this. That's how you open it and close it. And this portion is, um, is, is pointed. And somehow, it's, this is what had happened to her because it was exactly that height and it happened to one of our other uh, animals. It just is going to have to be um, totally redone to keep it from happening. But she obviously pushed it through and when she did, instead of waiting for it to open, it kind of had tension on it and it just ripped right through her side. And it was awful. Y'all, it was awful. I, honestly, it was so grotesque that I had to sit down. I, I thought, honest, I'm going to have to honestly have a glass of water before I can even deal with the dog. We took her to the emergency um, animal ER because why? Well, because it never happens when your normal vet is just simply open. No, no, it has to be to the tune of you know how many dollars. Well, um, because it had been a while since she'd been out, by the time they took us, we were there about two hours before they ever took us in. By the time the vet saw us, she said, how long has it been? And I said, well, I'm not positive, but I said, 
I said she had been running um, out on our acres. It had been a, two hours before we ever saw, before we ever realized she was hurt. She'd been in the house since then. But I said she'd just been kind of curled up. We didn't know anything was wrong. And um, then she'd waited two more hours until they got to her. And so by this time she goes, oh, well, she said, that's, that's the bad part of not being able to get her in right away. And I said, what do you mean? Y'all stay with me here just a second. She said, well, what we're gonna have to do, and she said, she won't feel it because she'll be completely, this'll be completely deadened. But she said, notice that that skin is already curling under. And she said, it's not going back together, it's curling under. She said, what I'm gonna have to do is I will have to go back around it and I will have to then cut the edges all over again and give them the signal to heal. It was like, you have got to be kidding me. And she said, then at that point, with it cleaned out and recut, I can sew it back together and it knows it will begin to heal itself. It was fascinating to me, fascinating. Because I thought, how often does that happen? Where we just let a gash go instead of letting him tend to it. And it's not until it's cut again that we go, now I'm ready to lay still let you do what it takes to pull my hand away and invite you, get to this wound and heal me. Some of you are just convinced that you're going to have to live with this thing, this mental stronghold, this addiction, this, this uh, very destructive way of life, um, this um, career infidelity uh, for the rest of your life. That is not true in Christ. That is not true in Christ. You can, you can find wholeness in Him. You can find healing for your mind and healing for your emotions. I want to turn you to scriptures I love so much in Isaiah 61 before we conclude. Isaiah 61. And I want to show you something. Isaiah 61, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 to you. Um, these verses are so precious to me. They're precious to many of you. If you're familiar with them, um, you love them for your own reasons because it talks about what becomes the ministry of Christ in Luke chapter 4. This is um, the job description that God gives to his own son that he fulfills um, in his earthly ministry and in his death and his resurrection. But it's so beautiful because it's about setting um, the captive free and the release to the prisoners. And listen what it says. And there's one part I want you to see in verse four, but let me get there. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those, I'm in verse three, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Watch what happens next. In verse 4, look carefully. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They shall build it back up. They shall repair it. I want you to stay with me for just a moment because I want to just suggest to you 
that maybe few things in the entire human experience that we can go through are more Christ-like and more like our God than not only when we build, but we rebuild. Not only when we create, but we repair. I want you to think about that if we had not had a God willing to reconstruct, the world would have ended in the days of Noah. I want to suggest to you that it takes um, creativity, ingenuity, um, its own kind of faith to create something, to do a work from scratch. But I'd like to just push you a little bit further and say there may not be anything that is more Christ-like than when it all falls apart that you are willing to work with God to see that thing come back together. We just move on to the next thing and leave it in crumbles, but there's no redemption. What happens when a people, when a person will go? I'll take a deep breath. I'm willing to go to work. Let's rebuild. Somebody listening today is rebuilding a business, um, rebuilding a marriage, rebuilding a home, uh, rebuilding a devastated reputation, uh, rebuilding a body after an accident. It takes a whole different thing than just starting something from scratch. Because it doesn't just take creativity. Somebody stay with me here. It takes commitment. Commitment. Whole different kind of faith than that God would do it in the first place. But would he do it in the second place? Would he do it in the third place? Would he do it in the fourth place? That takes a whole different level of faith. That takes some perseverance, some perseverance. That aspect of bearing God's image that can only come from joining Him in not just building, but rebuilding, rebuilding. Here's what I want to say to you as we end. I want you to appreciate what may be one of the most beautiful prefixes in the entire English vocabulary in Scripture, and those are the two letters, R-E. Beautiful, beautiful letters. I just want you to appreciate today the re in restoration, the re in renewal, the re in return, the re in remember, the re in rejoice, the re in reconcile, the re in repair, the re in replant, and the re in rebuild because somebody is so stuck in the re of regret. that they can't get to the rebuild. This I promise you, based on the authority of the Word of God, He wants to put you back together again. Well, Father, I just pray that every, everyone listening will understand no matter where the pieces are, if they will let you, the Master Designer, direct their steps and their acts. There's nothing that can't be put back together more perfectly than we imagine. No life, no heart, even relationship that can't be supernaturally repaired or corrected. Lord, rebuild in Jesus' name. You yield the clay to the master potter. Let him shape it. Betty, we've got sitting here in front of us something that we've become so fond of. 
these little shoes. This is a Christmas uh, armor. I know this is summertime. You're not supposed to be talking about Christmas. Well, you do talk about it if you want to get the resources and have little shoes made for little feet that never had any shoes all over the world. Then you want to get ahead of the curve so that we can do two things by Christmas. Not only send you a beautiful little Christmas ornament, matter of fact, we're going to send you a whole box of them, all we've made. If you'll just help give the shoes and uh, give smiles because we want to do cleft palate surgery. Little kids will smile when they see somebody loves them. Sometimes they can't smile very good. But we can correct that with love. Amen. I want you to look in on an opportunity to love. And don't you love seeing what love does? I do. And these children, when they get these shoes, they're just so thrilled. It's like <laughs> the biggest thing they've ever received. You know, <laughs> it's it's awesome. <laughs> and think about it, it saves a lot of lives and health. Watch this. Life Outreach, we try to help children all around the world in various forms and so many different ways. We want to bless these kids. One of the things we like to do this particular season of the year is we like to bring shoes to their lives. These guys run around, their feet are getting tore up by the terrain, they're stepping on stuff, hookworms, all those things that come into their little lives. And this time of year, we just like to bless them with a pair of shoes. And I think this is a beautiful thing that life does. And we're just asking for your help that by your generous gift, uh, we can provide a little pair of shoes for a guy who's never had his own pair of shoes. And so it's really difficult to put in words how much your gift of shoes will change this little guy's life because he won't have to run around in all this terrain barefooted and all the dangers that are there with no shoes. Look at them running right through all that with their shoes. Look at those, look at that. <laughs> That's what it's all about right there. God bless you, little fella. <laughs> Betty, just to tell us what it does for you. You know, I, I want to say a thank you again, not only for standing with me all the years that I went all over this nation preaching and around the world, and, and then you go into the ends of the earth with me. Thank you for doing that, but for sharing your heart. And when you see the children like we've seen and then realize what this can do, what goes on in a mother's heart? Well, you know, I think, of course, when our children were small, I'd say, okay, You've worn these shoes out. Let's go buy a new pair of shoes. Never thinking, never even understanding that there's some children that have never had shoes, James. And you and I have been over there, and we've seen these precious little feet that God loves so much. He mm -hmm. loves all these precious children. And to look at their little feet, and some of them with sores on them, some of them just chewed up because of what they have to walk on, the, the filthy, dirty terrain that they have day after day after day. And when you put a pair of shoes on their feet, change the smiles. I mean, it's just all the reward we need just to look at their faces. They're just so surprised, like, these are for me? Really for me? And that's what I feel like is coming back from them. It's just like, they, it's the biggest, best gift they've ever had. And it's so much more than that, James. They look at it as a gift like that, but I look at it in my heart and say, God, it's gonna help them stay well. They're not going to step on those old, that old terrain that has rocks and all kinds of disease that they get in their feet because they don't have shoes to protect them. That's what I think about. And I thank you so much because you've always been so giving and loving and helping us put shoes on the feet of these children. And not only that, but helping us fix 
some of them's their teeth, James, so they can smile, and that's the biggest thing, put a smile on their faces. Well, we know that you have proven to us that uh, you not only love God, you love others, and you express it with an act. You don't love just in word, but you love in deed. You love mm -hmm. in action. Uh, you can go to lifetoday.org or you can dial that number, take your bank card, use it like a check. What we're asking you to do is help us provide these shoes. This is a tiny little foot, and we've got the sizes to reach uh, different children in the different areas where the missionaries are going to be distributed. And we start way early for Christmas. And so we're asking you to make the gift God puts on your heart. $36 and you've got 10 pairs of shoes. $144 as an example, you've got 40 pairs. So what we're asking you to do, please, is give us an opportunity also to say thanks with the little, the little shoe ornaments. If you give a gift of over $100, we're going to send you not only the new one this year, but we're going to send you every one of them that we've had for the last years. And Betty, we have people come into our home and look at the tree and see those little shoes and start talking about it, and we begin to talk about sharing the love of God. Not just talking about Christmas, but about the love of God through Christ and that we can share it with others. So would you make the gift God put on your heart? We're going to share blessings with you uh, that will mean a lot to you to encourage you and inspire you around Christmas. But you're going to be giving not only shoes, but like Betty said, for the surgeries, we're going to correct cleft palates and other problems to give these children smiles. Would you go to lifetoday.org and give life today? Or would you dial the number, take your bank card, and use it like a check, how you should always use them? Thank you so much for doing it. Poverty is a killer. And because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 200,000 children around the world just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pairs. And a gift of $144 will help provide 40 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green antique shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request a special boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments from past years. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request our beautifully framed canvas prints of the Forest Chapel. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, it's amazing that $3.60 about what most people paid $30 for. And, and these, you know, they Velcro straps, they can grow a little bit and keep them on. And these things just, they don't wear out even like leather does. Amazing. It's what love does. It's a businessman that came to us and said, I found something. We can get these done. Could, could we do it? Well, I want to thank you. And we want to send you the little Christmas ornaments. Look, whatever you can do, no one pair of shoes is not too little, not for that child. But do all you can to help. And we want to say thank you. And stream.org, remember, go there. Get understanding of the times so we not perish and lose freedom because of the lack of the knowledge of the truth. Okay? Thank all of you for being here. Thank you for watching. Appreciate you being here.
Religious freedom is under attack. Kelly Shackelford tells the church it's time to stand. They're wanting to do what churches do, and now the government is against them. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.